Good morning, good morning, good morning. Happy Resurrection Sunday. I want to welcome you to Toronto City Church, our online worship experience on this amazing Sunday morning where we celebrate and we remember the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is risen. You know, in the early church, there used to be a greeting that they would use with one another. One believer would say to another, He's risen. And the other believer would respond, He is risen indeed. There was such a focus on and such a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. And today we get to tap into that same heart and into that same spirit. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Today I'm really excited about the message I want to share with you because I simply want to talk about the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Come on, somebody where you are right now say there is power in His resurrection. Amen. Let's start with Philippians 3, 7 to 10. We've got a lot of scriptures to cover, so let's jump right in. Let's get it. And Philippians 3, 7 to 10 from the English Standard Version says this, For whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. Come on, somebody say the power of His resurrection. You know, I love this passage, guys. It is such a powerful and potent part of the Scriptures that speaks so much to us just about the core heart of what it is to be a believer. And that is to know Him. I really believe in this time God is doing something fresh and He's doing something new in us in the element and the realm of calling us deeper in knowing Him. See, God's heart is for us to really not just know about Him, but His heart is for us to know Him. Even the whole point of why Jesus came, He died, and He rose again was so that we could draw near to the Father. You know, when Jesus died, the Bible says the veil in the temple, there was this thick veil, this thick curtain that was between the Holy of Holies and between the outer courts. And no one could go past except the priest who would go in once a year. But this thick veil was torn in two when Jesus died and it was torn in two from top to bottom because God's heart was never that we would have to worship him from a distance but God's heart was that we would be able to draw near God's heart was that we would be able to know him God's heart was that we'd really be able to walk with him that's he says it over and over and over again through the scriptures and his heart is that through Jesus the breach is repaired and we are brought back into relationship with him and so that's part of what we are celebrating this call to go deeper it's not just about formulas it's not just about worldviews. it's about an invitation to a real relationship with a real God and that is part of what we celebrate because that's what Jesus opened up to us every single one of us can draw near every single one of us can come into the throne room of grace to find help and mercy in time of need every single one of us can come freely into the presence of God without fear or without concern why not because of our own merit but through the blood of Jesus Christ and so it's all around this that Paul is talking about Philippians 3 7 to 10 
When you see his writings, you see he had this passion to know him. He had this passion to go deeper. He had this passion to really walk with the Father. And I love the part that he said here in verse 10. And he said his heart's cry, he said, watch, he said, I count everything else as rubbish. I count everything else as loss. This is what I'm after, that I may know him, right? And remember, there's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. The Greek word there speaks of a real intimate, close relationship and close knowledge. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul had a power to continue to grow in understanding the power of his resurrection. And I want to encourage you today on Resurrection Sunday that there is an invitation for every single one of us to grow in our knowledge of the power of his resurrection. Guys, at the time that Paul was writing this, he had already written numbers of books. He had already journeyed with the Lord for many years. I mean, he was being used powerfully by God to relay a foundation in many ways for the church and for his kingdom. And yet in the middle of all this, Paul was not you know, pleased with himself. Paul was not there going, well, I think I've covered a lot of ground. Look at all I've done. No, he said, listen, even with all the things I've accomplished, he said, I count it all as loss. He had this passion to continue to press in, to know him, to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him into death. But there was this power, this passion to know the power of his resurrection. And today I want to talk to you about the power of his resurrection. Today I want each one of us to grow deeper in knowing him in the power of his resurrection. You know what I found is that many Christians, we have some grid, we have some grid of understanding for the power of the cross. And this is good. I'm thankful for the cross. I, I, I'm, I'm so, so grateful for what Jesus did for us. We should never lose our wonder, that old song uh, that, that, that came out talking about the wonder of the cross. We should never lose our wonder at the cross. It's at the cross that Jesus took our place. It's at the cross that Jesus took our punishment. It's at the cross that we were forgiven. We need to be ever thankful for the cross. We need to meditate on the cross. We need to sing songs about the cross. We need to give thanks for the cross. But guys, the cross was not where the story ended. The cross is powerful. It's important. It's, it's, it's key. It, it, it matters so much. But the, the story did not end at the cross. The cross was simply part of the journey that Jesus was going on. It wasn't the end because Jesus didn't stay on the cross, but he rose again. Come on, somebody say he is risen. Come on, somebody say he is risen indeed. Jesus went to the cross, but he didn't stay on the cross. He rose again. Let's read from Matthew 28, 1 to 10. It says, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake and an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and fell like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And he said, Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. 
See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, for there they will see me. Now let's talk about the power of his resurrection. I love this. The angel came. He said, do not be afraid. For I know you see Jesus who who was crucified. Right? Yes, he was crucified. But he's not here. He is risen. Let's talk about the power of his resurrection. Let's talk about the power of that statement. He is risen. First, we're going to start in 1 John 3 verse 8. And 1 John 3 verse 8 says this, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Come on, I want to say that again. There is so much power in that statement and in that verse. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. I grew up on the King James translation. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. When he went to the cross, it was to destroy the works of the devil. When he rose again, it was because he destroyed the works of the devil. What does it mean to destroy? Because this is what Jesus did to the works of the devil. Number one, it means to reduce an object to useless fragments, a useless form or remains, as by rending, burning, over-dissolving, or injuring beyond repair or renewal, to demolish, to ruin, or to annihilate. Can we bring that into the context of this verse? Jesus came to break into useless fragments every plot and plan of the enemy. Jesus came to demolish the works of darkness. Jesus came to ruin the plans of Satan. Jesus came to annihilate every shred of hope that the enemy had that he could ever have victory. To destroy also means to put an end to. To destroy means to render ineffective or useless useless. To destroy means to defeat completely. Come on, I want you to say Jesus defeated the enemy completely. Come on, say it again. Jesus defeated the enemy completely. And where did he do this? He did this at the cross, but he did it not just staying on the cross, but he rose again. And as he rose again, he defeated the devil completely. He put an end to his reign of terror. He rendered him completely ineffective and useless. He demolished him. He ruined him. He annihilated the works of darkness. This is what our Jesus did when he rose again. Come on, somebody say he is risen. Come on, let's go to Colossians 2, verse 12 to 15. It talks a little bit more about this. It says, Having buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. Come on, somebody say, I'm raised with Christ. Come on, somebody say, he is risen. Say, I am risen in him. Verse 13, And you, who were dead in your trespasses, the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in it. 
Family, I want to encourage you today, because he went to the cross, but because he rose again, we have been made alive in God. Because he went to the cross and rose again, all our trespasses have been forgiven. Because he went to the cross and rose again, the record of debt against us has been canceled. Come on, some of you today, this is a revelation moment for you because the devil keeps harassing you about your past. He keeps harassing you about the mistakes you've made, all the evil and wicked things you did, and he keeps lying to you and saying you can never do great things for God. You can never be truly accepted. You're nothing. You're worthless. But today I want to encourage you and to rise up and say I'm risen with Christ. I'm risen with him today my trespasses have been forgotten forgiven and the record of the debt against me has been canceled it is paid in full and then finally because jesus went to the cross and rose again the rulers and authorities this speaks to the demonic powers here on the earth have been disarmed they've been put to shame and he triumphed over them in it let me read to you for a few moments here. Rick Renner is a great Bible teacher and scholar. I love to read his work and listen to him. I learn a lot from him. But he said this about Colossians 2.15. He said, let's look at Colossians 2.15 to gain a greater revelation of the victory Jesus has already accomplished for you and me through his death, burial, and resurrection. Paul tells us that Jesus made a show of them openly. The word openly is taken from the Greek word parisia. A word that is used throughout the books in the New Testament to denote boldness or confidence. By using the word parisia, Paul declares that when Jesus was finished his dealings with Satan, his victory over the devil was no quiet affair. Quite the contrary. Jesus boldly, confidently, and loudly exposed and displayed this now defunct foe to heaven's hosts. Make no mistake, when Jesus made a show of them openly, it was a spectacular show. The verse continues, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. The word triumph is taken from the Greek word triumbuo, which is a technical word used to describe a general or an emperor returning home from a grand victory in the enemy's territory. Specifically, the word triumph was used to describe the emperor's triumphal parade when he returned home. When a returning emperor or general came striding through the gates on his big, powerful, and beautiful horse, he was accompanied by his fellow warriors who also appeared glorious after their triumphant battle. As the parade followed, the weaponry and treasures seized from the enemy's territory were grandly displayed for all to see. The grand finale to this triumphal procession was the foreign ruler himself. The ruler had been beaten and bound in chains and was now being forced to walk in disgrace, shame, dishonor, and embarrassment and humiliation as crowds of people came to celebrate his, his defeat and get a peek at the once powerful but now totally defeated opponent. So when Colossians 2.15 declares that Jesus triumphed over evil powers, it is explicitly declaring that Jesus took the enemy apart piece by piece as he thoroughly spoiled principalities and powers. When Jesus was finished with these demonic forces, they were utterly plundered, stripped to bare nakedness, and left with nothing in hand to retaliate. Because of these words, parisia and triumbuo, Colossians 2.15 conveys this idea. He gallantly strode into heaven to celebrate his victory and the defeat of Satan and his forces. As part of this triumphal process, he flaunted the spoils seized from the hand of the enemy. Yet the greatest spectacle of all occurred when the enemy himself was openly put on display as bound, disgraced, disabled, defeated, humiliated, and stripped bare. 
Come on, isn't that good? Today the enemy is bound, disgraced, disabled, defeated, humiliated, and stripped bare, not because of you or I, but because of our Lord and Savior, the risen Jesus Christ. The last thing Renner says is here. Jesus' victory over Satan was a monumentous affair. When Jesus returned, he was totally triumphant. The party heaven threw that day was enormous. All of heaven's hosts came to celebrate Jesus' victory and Satan's downfall and demise. Right there in front of everyone, Jesus displayed the devil and his cohorts so all could know that the enemy no longer had the legitimate right or the necessary arms to prolong his rule of terrorism. I don't know if you remember, it was a great day just a couple years ago when our Toronto Raptors won that NBA championship. And I remember going downtown for the parade. Maybe you were there as well. It was crazy. They think that more than 2.5 million people gathered. I've never been in a crowd of people like that. It was just a sea of people crowding and filling the streets, looking out over the buildings. I mean, it was incredible. But I want you to take that, if you remember those pictures, and I want to multiply it by 100. Multiply it by 1,000. This was the celebration of Jesus, the victory he won and what he did. This is what the resurrection is all about. The resurrection is about victory. The resurrection is about freedom. The resurrection was Jesus triumphing over death and the grave and Satan and stripping him of all his authority right first corinthians 2 verse 8 actually says this it says none of the rulers of the age understood this for if they had they would not have crucified the lord of glory in other words when satan took jesus to the cross he thought he was winning he thought he had got him he thought he had outwitted god the father but the Bible says that Satan and all the rulers of the age, if they had understood the trap they were actually walking into, if they had understood how fully and completely Jesus would have defeated them through the resurrection, they never would have crucified him. They never would have touched a hair on his head. But they didn't understand the power of what was released. I love 1 Peter 1 verse 3. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Family, you are forgiven. I'm forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. But we are born again to new life because he was born again. He was the firstborn of many brethren. He was born again through the resurrection. And that same resurrection life, that same resurrection power that caused him to split wide open hell, death, and the grave is that same resurrection life that you and I have been born again to in him and through him. Let me show you another passage this morning. It's from 1 Corinthians 15, 12 to 20. Lots of Bible reading today, but it's good. We want to focus on the Word. It says this, The message we preach is Christ. This is from the Passion Translation. Who has been raised from the dead. So how could any of you possibly say there is no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no such thing as a resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ is raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching has been for nothing, and your faith is useless. Moreover, if the dead are not raised... That would mean that we are false witnesses who are misrepresenting God. And that would mean that we have preached a lie stating that God raised him from the dead in reality when he didn't. If the dead aren't raised up, that would mean that Christ has not been raised up either. And if Christ is not alive, you are still lost in your sins and your faith is a fantasy. 
It would also mean that those believers in Christ who passed away have simply perished. If the only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to life on this earth, we deserve to be pitied more than all others. But the truth is, Christ is risen from the dead as the first fruit of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died. Come on, somebody, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Guys, Paul tells us in this passage, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is for nothing. If Christ has not been raised, our faith is useless. If Christ has not been raised, we are false witnesses who are lying and misrepresenting God. If Christ has not been raised, we are still lost in our sins. If Christ has not been raised, our faith is a fantasy. If Christ has not been raised, it means that believers and all those who've gone before are simply gone. They've simply passed away and gone. But here's the news I have for you tomorrow, this morning. Christ has been raised. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And because he has been raised, our preaching is so significant. Because he's been raised, our faith is powerful. Because he's been raised, we are witnesses of the truth. Because he's been raised, we are forgiven from all sin. Because he's raised, our faith is not a fantasy, but our faith is reality. Because he has been raised, believers who've passed away, those who've gone on to be with him, are alive with him right now, and we will see them again. Guys, everything goes back to this fact that Christ is raised. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Now, for the last part of this message today, because usually on the first Sunday of a month, we do Healing School Sunday. And today, I just wanted to preach about the power of His resurrection. But I do want to connect this to healing. I want to connect this to supernatural. What does this have to do with healing? What does this have to do with the supernatural in our lives? Well, let's look at Romans 8.11. And Romans 8.11 says this. It says, If the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. This is real simple, but here's what I want us to meditate on and just ask the Lord to impact us with in a fresh way today. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that raised Him up, lives inside of you and lives inside of me. The very power that raised Jesus, the very power that conquered death, hell, and the grave lives inside of you. Come on, somebody say, he's inside of me. He is inside of us. That's why the book of Acts was so powerful and the day of Pentecost was so incredible and it was so terrifying to the enemy because he crucified the Lord And the Bible says if he knew what was going to happen, he never would have done it. But Jesus rose up again in resurrection power by the power of the Holy Spirit. But then in the book of Acts, that same Holy Spirit was released on every person through the baptism of the Spirit and came to live inside. That's why the Scriptures say, know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus, there was one temple with the Holy of Holies, and that's where the manifest presence of God came. But after Jesus died and rose again, we became living temples, and every single one of us became a a place, a spiritual temple where the Holy Spirit would dwell. That same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. 
Do you know the power that's inside of you right now? Do you know the power that is in you because the person that is in you of the Holy Spirit? See, many of us have at least a degree of faith in the Holy Spirit and His power, but we don't have a revelation or faith that that Holy Spirit and His power is in us. Have you ever heard someone say, well, you know, I prayed, but I felt like my prayers were just hitting the ceiling and falling back to the floor. Now, I understand on one level, they're meaning I just didn't feel like my prayers were getting anywhere. But here's what I want you to catch. Your prayers don't have to get above the ceiling. Your prayers don't have to get above your nose. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is already in you. God's power, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, is not somewhere out there that if we just get lucky, or we just pray hard enough, or we just do something, you know, make sure we do all the right things, somehow that power is going to come down. And somehow that power is going to fall. No, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of you. It's not by your works, lest any man should boast, but it is by the grace and the gift of God that we've been forgiven, that we've been saved but then the holy spirit comes and he lives inside of us and that power is in us that means if you've got a sickness in your body yes that sickness is there but the same spirit that raised christ from the dead also was in there right if you've got wounding in your life or wounded in your heart yes that wounding's there but the same spirit that raised christ from the dead is inside of you you know so often we've even fallen into the trap and i get it i understand it because there's people who've really cultivated and developed their faith, so they really flow in healing. But we want to go look for the, the man or woman of God to pray for us, so the man or woman of God to minister us, and yet the God who that man or woman has drawn their power from is inside of you, and that same power dwells in you. See, really the key, guys, is it's a revelation issue. It's a faith issue. If we believe that the Holy Spirit is far off, that's the reality we're going to live in. But if we start to build our faith and say the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of me, everything starts to change. Everything changes. I've shared this story, I believe, before, but it's just so pertinent to this topic. I want to read it again. It's the story about John G. Lake. And John G. Lake was a man of God who lived in the 1800s into the early 1900s. And he was a man of incredible anointing for healing. Just saw some incredible, incredible things. He had incredible ministry in South Africa and different areas. He ended up in Spokane, Washington, where they set up healing rooms. And during that time, secular newspapers actually declared Spokane, Washington, as the healthiest city in America. Literally, they had over 100,000 verified testimonies of people who come to healing rooms and gotten healed. This man was an incredible man of healing, an incredible man of God. But it talked about a time where he was in South Africa, and there was a plague that had broken out. This is the way the story goes. It says, John G. Lake found himself in this highly contagious region where the plague had broken out and he offered to help, but asked for no payment. He would go into houses where the stench of sickness hung in the air and carried out the bodies, often having to bury them in mass graves. There were so many, but he had no fear of catching the disease. A doctor sent for Lake and said, what have you been doing to protect yourself? And Lake replied, I believe that as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God, so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and body, that no germ will ever attach itself to me, for the spirit of God will kill it. Amazingly, Lake asked the doctor to experiment by taking the foam from the lungs of a dead plague victim and putting it under a microscope. The doctor did and found the masses, that there were masses of living germs. 
At Lake's insistence, the doctor spread the deadly foam on Lake's hands and observed the results under the microscope. And he was astonished to discover that all the germs died instantly. Lake told him, that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When a man's spirit and body are filled with the presence of God, it oozes out of the flesh and the pores and it kills the germs. Come on, I just want us to focus on this again because obviously this is a, an incredible story and someone who's very developed in this. But the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you and me. The same spirit that was inside John G. Lake as he saw these incredible miracles lives inside you and me. Today, I want your faith to just be built up and increased. And especially if you are battling a sickness, if you're battling disease, if you're battling some, some type of challenge, I want you just to begin to declare. And I want you daily to meditate, say the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me. And if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that means resurrection power is inside of me. There is resurrection power in me. I don't have to go somewhere to get it. I don't have to do all these things to achieve it. It's there by grace through faith, and it is the power of the Holy Spirit in me. So the question goes, well, then how do we grow in this? Because I think all of us were honest, and even looking at our lives, we go, well, the Holy Spirit's in me, but I'm not seeing these kind of manifestations yet. I'm not seeing these kind of changes yet. And here's just what I want to encourage you, and really simply as we bring this to a close today. The answer is not in a formula, but the answer is in relationship. The answer is in relationship. I know when we talk about these things, and I, I'm the first guy to give different steps and principles and keys, and there's a place for that. There's a place particularly to understand kingdom principles. And I do want to know step by step. The Bible talks about building line upon line and precept upon precept. So there is a place for that. But, but there's not just going to be a formula. This plus this equals a manifestation of resurrection power. It comes from relationship. A picture of this is in the children of Israel and they're moving into the promised land. They never fought one battle the same way. I don't know about you or me, but if it worked to march around the walls of Jericho seven times and shout and the walls fall down, I would want to go do that in every city. I would just say, hey, let's go to this city. Let's march around the walls. You know, as if it was modern times, we would have started our blog about marching around walls, would have written a book, How to March Around Your Walls of Jericho. We would have started a podcast, marching around your walls and seeing them fall down. And yet God never used that strategy one time again. Every battle was different. Why? Because the true strategy was listening to the Lord and obeying him in the moment. God is wanting to lead us not deeper into formulas, but he's wanting to lead us into a place of deeper intimacy with him. A place where, remember, if we go back to what did Paul say? Paul said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul didn't say, I want to know formulas. Paul didn't say, I want the five steps and the seven keys to know the power of his resurrection. He said, I want to know him. Why? Because when you get him, you get the power of his resurrection. And the more you go deeper in him, the more you walk in the power of resurrection. It's a relationship, guys. It's not a formula. Again, there's places that we can learn truths and principles, but God is calling us deeper in relationship. Who will answer this call? You know, it's interesting. He used a little bit of a different language, but I think John G. Lake shared the same key. <clears throat> Remember, he said, I believe that as long as I keep my spirit in contact, my soul in contact with the living God, so that his spirit is flowing in my soul and body. No germ will ever attach itself to me for the spirit of God will kill it. Right? He also said, this is the law of the spirit of life of Christ Jesus. When a man's spirit and body are filled with the presence of God. 
Not when a man understands the three steps and the five core principles, but when a man is filled with the presence of God, it oozes out his flesh and pours and kills the germs. There is an invitation from the Father to draw near. There is an invitation of the Father, even today. And I want to just, let's, let's kind of shift gears. I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to bring this to a close to end, resurrection stand. We're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray for the resurrection power of God to manifest in our lives. But I want to encourage you, there's this invitation from the Father to draw near. There's this invitation for every single one of us to draw near to Him. He's saying, will you come closer? Right? It's James 4, verse 8, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And the Father's saying, will you come closer? I want you to walk in my resurrection power, but will you come closer? Will you have this heart like Paul, where you will have this desire to know me, and the power of my resurrection, and the fellowship of my sufferings, and being conformed to my death? They all fit in together. But it all starts with this desire to know him. Because I get closer to knowing him, I'm going to grow in the power of his resurrection. When I draw closer to knowing him, I will participate in the fellowship of his sufferings. When I draw closer to know him, I will be more conformed to his death, which really just means dying to myself so that Christ might live through me. It is going to happen as we draw near in intimacy. And so family, I want to encourage you today, even as we're getting fired up about the power of his resurrection, hear the call. Hear the call of the Holy Spirit that says, come deeper in intimacy. Come deeper to know me. I love where the Apostle Paul said this. If we keep reading after what we led to, verse 12 to 14, and watch this. As I read this in closing here, catch his heart. Catch his passion that is shown forth here. He says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in God, in Christ Jesus. Who today, listening in, who today, even as we're celebrating Resurrection Sunday, will join me in pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus? And this is not just doing something or accomplishing. I'll tell you, the pearl of great price is him. The pearl of great price is knowing him. When you know him, everything else comes into alignment. When you get him, you get everything else. As we like to say, we're not just going to seek his hands, but we're going to be people who seek his face. And my prayer today, even as we're pressing into the power of his resurrection, that we would again press in to know him. Let's agree for this right now. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you today, even on Resurrection Sunday. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Thank you that you died. Thank you that you rose again. I pray that each one of us today, even now by the power of your Holy Spirit, will grow in our understanding and awareness of the power of your resurrection. Not just as a theological concept, but as a living reality in our lives. And so we agree for this and we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Now, come on, if you've got a need in your body, if you've got a need in your soul, if you've got a need in your family, you've got a need in your finances, you've got a need in just in any capacity of your life, we're going to pray right now for a manifestation of resurrection power. So I just want you to kind of lean in with me right now to receive. 
If maybe you've got some people around you and you say, hey, I need, I need some of that resurrection power. I want them just to lay hands on you. But remember, it's not just in them. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of you. And so, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we thank you that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of us. And that spirit will quicken our mortal body. That spirit will bring that resurrection life up and inside of each one of us. And so we speak right now to that resurrection Zoe life that is already on the inside of each person. And Father, we pray and we command that it rises up in Jesus' name. It rises up and eradicates sickness and disease. It rises up and eradicates fear. It rises up and er eradicates mental illness right now in Jesus' name. Mental health situations that your life and your light, that resurrection power, we speak that it rises up and there's provision that's manifesting, wisdom that's manifesting. Whatever the need is, we declare it's met today in Jesus' name because Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. And there is a resurrection power that is rising up today in Jesus' name. We thank you for resurrection power that's on the inside right now. And that resurrection power that's on the inside is rising up and manifesting in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you above it all. We're not just here for power, but we're here for you. And I pray for each one of us today just for a fresh passion to know you, a fresh passion to walk with you. And as we continue to push forward in this season together, that we are going to walk in your life and in your power. In Jesus' name. And everyone agreed with me, said, amen. All right, well, one more thing before we go today. I want to make sure I give an opportunity. If there's anyone watching who doesn't know Jesus, what better time to commit your life to him than right now? So here's what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that God loves us with his everlasting love, but we've been separated from that love because of sin. All of us have sinned. There's no one who is good before God. And because of this sin, we deserve eternal punishment. Now, I'm not just pointing the finger at you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about all of us. Bible says there's no one righteous, not even one. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not have punishment, but will have eternal life. Jesus came, he died, and he rose again. And he said, if you'll turn your back on sin, you'll put your faith and trust in me. You will be forgiven. You will be set free. I will bring you back into communication and place with the Father. And you, instead of having eternal punishment, will have eternal life. It's right there for every single one of us. It's not something we work for or earn. It's a free gift of God. But we still have to choose to receive it. We have a choice to reject his gift or we have a choice to receive his gift. And my prayer today is if you're watching this and you're not right with God, that you will receive this gift today. Don't wait another day. Don't say, well, I'll wait time older. I'll wait time done this. I'm wait time done that. You never know if tomorrow is even going to come. None of us are promised tomorrow. And there are people in hell right now who, who said tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. See, the devil doesn't have to get you to say no to Jesus. He just has to get you to say not today enough times. And so I really want to encourage you, if you're listening today, because I know there's some people listening right now, and you need to be right with God. Maybe you used to follow him, but you fell away. He's calling you back. And so if that's you, and you're that person, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you came for me. Thank you that you died. Thank you that you rose again. 
Today I turn my back on sin. I commit my life to you. Fill me. Forgive me. Free me. I want to follow you. And if you prayed that prayer from your heart today, I want you to know, Bible says all who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. It's that simple. But now, he doesn't just want you to have a one moment of prayer, but he's calling you to follow him in your life. And so if you prayed this prayer, or you know you should have, I want to invite you right now. If you prayed this prayer and you, you meant it, I want to invite you, email us, connect with us. There's some information that's going to come up for you right now, or just track down our email, get to us. We want to pray with you, and we want to stand with you in this walk with Christ. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for taking that step today. That's, that's why Jesus died. That's why he rose again, so all of us could be brought to, back to a right place with the Father. And the Bible says that in heaven, when one person repents, that all the angels resort. All the angels, all the angels party. All the angels rejoice. And so I want to encourage you, if you made that commitment today, you just set off a party in heaven. And I believe that there's just tons of party in heaven today because so many people are giving their lives to Christ all around this world. Well, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for our Resurrection Sunday worship experience today. We are so thankful that you were joined with us, and we trust and pray that just the worship and the Word were a blessing and encouragement to you as we celebrated the power of His resurrection. Now, a couple things really practically before, real practical before we go today. First, obviously, is our tithes and our offerings. You know, when we give to God, one of the foundation elements, we do it out of love, and we do it out of thanksgiving. And I would you, but if you've ever had someone do something for you that was particularly significant or particularly powerful, I know I have, where someone really went to me. You know what? There's, there's something inside of me that just wants to do something for them. There's something inside of me that wants to be thankful for what they did. But man, it's just, if I have an opportunity to do something for them, if I have an opportunity to bless them, if I have an opportunity to help them, I'm going to be right there. Why? Because I'm thankful and cognizant of all they've done for me. And in the same way, when we really catch the power of Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, we get the power of resurrection life, the power of what he's done for us. Giving is just, I mean, it just makes sense, right? It just makes sense. It doesn't make sense to us to hold back and just try to keep things for ourselves. I, I, my heart, I want to give as much as I can to the kingdom because I bet where would I be without him? He's given me so much. So what is it for me to bring my tithes and my offerings to him? And so I want to encourage you today on Resurrection Sunday, let's give with that spirit. Come on, even, even you've got a sense. You're just like, man, let me just give some more today. Let me put some more in there. I, I'm not trying to pressure you. I'm just talking about if that's in your heart to say thanks. Let's, let's together, let's just really, let's make this today as we give and as we give this week like a special remembrance, a special honor and, and thank, thanksgiving for what he's done for us. Amen? So all the information's there on the screen for you. Obviously, if you have any questions about giving, reach out and let us know. Thank you to all of you who are so faithful in your giving. God has just been so good. He's been so faithful to us even through this last year. And a lot of that has to do with your faithfulness and your obedience. So thank you for that. We're so appreciative and we're excited about where God's going to take us. I believe in this coming year, it's going to be a year in your life and a year in our church of overflow and of exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. And so God bless you. Let's just pray really quickly. Father, thank you so much for all you've done for us. Thank you that Jesus came, he died, and he rose again. And it's out of thankfulness for this, out of thankfulness for what you've done that we give. We give today with the spirit of thanksgiving. And I just speak blessing over every person in our church family, God, over every person who's giving, 
God, who's, who's part of this, who's sewn into what you're doing here, Father. And I thank you for that resurrection life inside of them. I thank you that we're going to grow in the resurrection life. And it's going to quicken our bodies and it's going to flow. That Zoe life is going to overflow into every area of our lives, including our finances, including just the practical areas of our life, because you are concerned about every area. And so we thank you for this, Lord. We thank you once again today just that we've been able to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Come on. He is risen. He is risen indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, it's been good to be together today. Enjoy the rest of your Easter Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your Easter weekend and holiday. But before you log off, please just take a look at our weekly announcements. We've got some important things coming up we want you to be aware of. We love you. Thank you so much for being with us today. God bless.